afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and today our show is the wrap-up of our initiation series. So I'd like to call in our ancestors to be with us here today on the show and in every moment that this podcast is listened to by anyone anywhere on the planet. I call out to those ancestors who bring all that is good and true and beautiful to us that we might learn from those who have gone before us. We call out to those ancestors who experienced initiation themselves and were moved from childhood to adulthood in a sacred way. And I call out to those ancestors who conducted this initiation for others that they may guide us as we come to understand in the time that we live now on the planet how we could begin again to conduct our children into adulthood in a way that is robust and meaningful and that we can find a way for those of us who have arrived at adulthood without this sacred passage to find a way to go back through and to bring ourselves into a kind of completeness, a kind of wholeness, a kind of spiritual maturity that will serve us, our soul's purpose, and life in all forms. So I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today. It is your descendants calling and we need your help. We thank you for gathering round us, and with the ancestors circling round, we reach down to the energy of the earth, and we call out to this most fundamental and sacred ancestor and give thanks for home, for the wonder of life here on this planet, for a place to belong, and people, and things, and energies to belong to, for connection and interconnection, and for the reality of life here on this planet where all things are related to everything else. Everything touches everything. Everything is energy, and all things are one. We give thanks for this miracle of life and ask for the earth to support us as we go forward on this day to live in a way that manifests that miracle. And with our feet firmly planted on the earth, connected to all things, the ancestors circling round, we reach up to the sky, all the way up to the highest power of the universe, all the way through the sky, through the cosmos, all the way out to all that is. We call out this energy, and by whatever name you call it, call it down to bring blessing into your life, into your body, into your day, and into this circle. We call out to bring in blessing and protection and generosity, to bring in the benevolence of our universe and to know that we are held well and guided and inspired in all things if we can simply learn to open our eyes. We call out to the sky above to come down, bringing us the true yang energies and the earth below to bring up the true yin energies. And we ask these energies to merge within us to the exact perfect blend for us here today. And we call out each one of us to the energy of the heart to be with us here today to help us to merge the wisdom that rises from the belly with the wisdom that comes down from the mind. And let these two wisdoms, strange and diverse when they first meet, to come together in the heart and let the languages be translated. That in the heart we might come to know why we are here and to find our heart path that we might bring our gifts to the world. 
So for the spirit energies gathered round, I give thanks. Help us to say what needs to be said and to hear what needs to be heard. And may these proceedings today be good for all living things. Thank you, everyone, for joining me here today. I want to give thanks to the last Mass community members, to my own students who donate generously, so that this show may be available all around the world. And we give thanks to those listeners who have discovered that they can donate too. The whyshamanismnow.com website is up and running, and you can click on the support button and offer whatever you feel moved to offer. Every single dollar goes directly into keeping the show on the air so that you can download and listen anytime you choose to. So for all of the generous donations that allow us to be here together in this way, I give great thanks. So today we are wrapping up what I have called this initiation series. And The hypothesis that began this series was this idea that it is the lack of meaningful or functional initiation from childhood to adulthood that is at the root of many of our cultural sickness, from greed and irresponsible leadership to ecological waste and disaster to psychoemotional illness and pharmaceutical abuse and to teen suicide and utterly senseless violence. And that my hypothesis here is that if we follow these energies back to where they begin, they begin at our current cultural norm, which is to not provide any kind of meaningful or functional initiation from childhood to adulthood. And the opening show was on June 8th. It was called Curing Our Cultural Sickness. For those of you that haven't heard that show and would like to download it, that's... um, its title. You can do that on iTunes or at the cocreatornetwork.com website or on the Why Shamanism Now website. You have many places that you are welcome to listen or download the show. And what I laid out on that hour, in that hour, was why this idea that initiation or the lack of initiation might be at the root of our cultural sicknesses was true. Um, And partly what I'm looking at is how um, in looking at shamanism around the world, it is clear that that much of the shamanic ritual of pre-contact shamanic people had to do with tending the essence of this crucial life process for everyone. And it seemed that these people understood that without initiation, In the person, the person becomes a block or or the person in their behavior, their thoughts, their words, their deeds stops the flow of a natural energy that binds people to each other, to the environment, uh, to their ancestors, to their descendants. And when this energy is stopped, the natural elasticity or sort of organizing principle of community begins to fall apart. And when this happens, we, the people in the falling apart community, lose the skills for living in community. And we retract and retreat into ourselves and begin to focus on ideas like taking care of number one exclusively. And without initiation, then the spiritual and the and the spiritual adulthood that comes from it, um, the individual then spends decades chasing after the unmet needs of the wounded child. 
um, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. All of these decades of our life can be spent trying to get these unmet needs met. And this retards the skill development and the focus necessary to truly find one's soul's purpose, which is our true need, our true responsibility being here. And without the skill development and focus, we end up um, largely unable to live a life of meaning and purpose. And the lack of meaning and the soul's expression in life then leads to a whole host of physical and emotional and mental illness. Without initiation, the dead get stuck here at death. The presence of the dead further changes the health of the living in a bad way, while leaving the role of the true ancestral helping spirit vacant, again, um, crippling us as the living to not have that um, message, that voice, that remembering, and that ability to learn from those who have gone before us. And so then without the guidance of the ancestors to learn from, uh, and without the connection of community to give us a healthy reason to care about something other than ourselves, the living can't help but make continue to make very poor quality decisions that result in the same mistakes being made over and over again in a million new ways. And um, largely, um, this reality is same as the one before, as a certain poet has said. So at the end of that show, I shared a quote from Honey in the Heart by Martin Prechtel, and he speaks um, through his understanding of Mayan shamanism and his experience in that um, way of looking at the world. And in this um, quote, he, it, which comes from Honey in the Heart, he says, when, un, when the uninitiated people grew old and died, only their body actually melted back into the earth. The soul, however, for not having been cooked by its dealings with death in initiations as a young person, would not be solid enough or have the right shape or be able to enter the next world. In such cases, it hung around its relations like a hungry dog. The soul of such a person was still dependent and needing taken care of. So now here, Martine is talking about the soul after death. Um, but if this perpetual dependency and sucking off the lives of the living remains true at death, then imagine how powerfully true this is in life. And I believe that this is at the source of the spiritual immaturity that plagues our culture, our American culture. So Martine continues in Honey in the Heart and says that this bodiless soul um, became a ghost, and these kinds of ghosts could eat generations of descendants, turning them into greed mongers, addicts, drunks, backstabbers, sociopaths, or bullies, all unwilling to grow up. And are these energies, greed mongers, addicts, drunks, backstabbers, sociopaths, or bullies, are these not the energies we struggle with right now in America? I mean, how many children, we, you know, we're looking at, at, at suicides and deaths from children being bullied to death um, and the violence that breaks out in junior highs and high schools for kids that are getting bullied. It's a simple issue. We used to say, well, boys will be boys or girls will be girls. But what, what I'm suggesting here is that these issues of greed and addiction 
um, drunks, backstabbers, sociopaths, bullies, that these things are have been known to humanity as being caused by the souls of beings who are not initiated and whether those beings are in a body or not. So here we are looking at a boatload of problems that find their root or source in our lack of meaningful initiation in contemporary American culture. And giving the news today, as I look around the world, I would say that this is probably the lack of meaningful initiation in contemporary Western culture at large around the globe. And it is most likely the fate of all of those cultures who are unfortunately abandoning the old ways to Americanize and become more Western. So what do we do? This is what I truly love about shamanism. We look at this enormous issue. What do we do? In my earlier pre-shamanic life, the facts like this laid out before me would simply have depressed me into non-action. That, and frankly, they did. Um, I spent much of my 20s feeling the weight of these issues, not knowing how to name them not knowing how to deal with them, but just being crushed and depressed by them. And so for me, this is what I truly love about shamanism. Unlike any other thing I have ever experienced, and I have had intellectual pursuits and spiritual pursuits and physical pursuits and pursuits of the heart, but shamanism that brings all that together allows me to simply ask for help, to look at a problem like this that is gigormous, huge, and multi-generational, multi-century, and just say, hmm, okay, well, so where did it come from? And then given that, what do we do about it? And so as I've been looking at this issue in my own practice and with the people that I work with, I thought it might be interesting to do the show. And so my guidance from the show was to set up this series of interviews. And so over the next four weeks, I interviewed a range of contemporary shamans. And it was my hope that in hearing the stories of this diverse range of, an, of contemporary initiation experiences um, that have truly functioned by, by the, the fact of these people being able to function effectively as shamans, we know then that the initiation functions. And that if we can listen to their stories, that we can remember what initiation truly means. And so we heard from Desiree de Mars, who was an extremely eclectic and yet highly effective practitioner. And her initiatory, initiatory experiences were many and varied throughout her life. And then we had heard from Michael Dunning, whose initiation experience with an ancient yew tree was spontaneous and unique, long and singular, authentic, non-traditional. It was an experience that transformed him, often painfully. It healed him. And in that, it showed him how he was to heal and work with others and what he was to teach. The next week, we spoke with um, Gretchen McKay, who is a contemporary American Sangoma. In other words, she is initiated in the traditional shamanic practices of the Zulu people of Swaziland. And um, this experience made her Northern European and Scottish ancestors very happy. And then finally, after a break for a couple weeks, we spoke with our, our last um, 
invited guest in the initiation series who spoke with John Luke Edwards, who is currently residing up in BC in Canada. And he shared with us um, his initiation on the Wolven Path, which is an ancient Northern European path of shamanism that has died out. So unlike Gretchen's experience with a living traditional practice, Jean-Luc was sharing his experience of recovering essentially a dead shamanic practice and being part of its re- rebirthing or re-embodying um, experience here um, right now in the last few decades. And so what did we learn from these powerful and effective and um, very joyful healers? What, what did we learn? Well, we learned that we are always experiencing the potential for initiation, even outside of traditional cultures. And I would say that this is because energetically and spiritually, our maturity is critically important for all living things. Because we as human beings are powerful manifestation machines with no off buttons, we are always creating for better or for worse. And I believe, therefore, that it is critical that we wake up and grow up uh, and that we are able then to manifest a kind of energetic and spiritual maturity because we affect everything all the time. And that the soul, I believe that your soul and your life, my soul and my life, that the soul and the life are always conspiring to initiate us and to grow us up. However, with that said... Desiree said that what she observes with the people that she works with is that people have become less aware of the events in their lives that could be initiating them and that they are completely unaware, though they might even note the event, of the powerful significance of that because they don't possess a a context or a cosmology to understand why these events, though they may notice the size in in essence of them they don't understand the significance and Desiree spoke at length about how without awareness and without the ability to allow these events to transform us their potential is lost so Desiree said to us and I think these steps were all important each step was important and particularly if we're we're working off this idea that your soul and your life are constantly conspiring to try to initiate you. So what do you need to do then to pay attention to what is going on? And she said, of course, the first thing is to notice the significant experiences. Allow them to expand us and come back to earth. And she said the critical steps in in making this expansion and return happen is when the significant experience happens, ask, why did this happen to me? Not why me, but more from the heart and soul. Why? What was the meaning or the value? What was, what was going on here? Why did, why did this particular experience happen to me at this place and this time in my life? What is the significance? And then she said to allow yourself to receive an answer. And for Desiree's money, this was the place where most people dropped the ball. 
if the answer isn't right there immediately, if it doesn't make sense instantaneously, they're on to the next thing. And that, so the first thing is to allow yourself to receive an answer to your question of why. And then, given that answer, to ask yourself, what does that answer touch within me? And so that moves a person into the feeling space, the internal terrain, into the realm of the heart and the body and the soul, where they all come together and create this deep internal experience. Then the fourth step, Desiree spoke about, was to allow yourself to be transformed by what the experience touches within you. In other words, there will ultimately be a death of the old self and a release of that old energy. We talked a bit about how it's possible that the container in a person's life is important to allow these steps to run their course. So that's a possibility. But the final thing that Desiree felt was most important and that was the most critical piece of this whole ability to to utilize and recognize and utilize the initiations that life gives us is that she said you must have the ability to act as the transformed person in your life. And I cannot agree more strongly. Having worked with students who come right to the brink, have that final transformational experience and then retreat into their old patterns ignoring the person that they have become, I agree with Desiree wholeheartedly that it is that willingness once again to allow the death of the old, to let go of the old stories, and to allow that transformed person to begin to run the show of your life. That it is this ability to act as a transformed person in your life that is critical. I call it living in the new normal. Desiree said that even with the powerful hallucinogenic plant medicines that she has worked with, that in the end, she says, it's still up to me to deepen and understand and to use the information that the plants give. So in other words, the, the, the recognition, the realization of the event is not enough. The information itself is not enough. To have had the ayahuasca experience is not enough. The aha moment is not enough. That the initiation, these, these experiences turn into initiations when we are able to allow them to transform us, not once, not twice, but on three levels so that we are, are in the wholeness of who we are transformed by the experience. And in closing, Desiree said that um, initiations ask of us to face our deepest fears in order to strengthen us for, life, for the life experiences to come. They also become the medicine that heals us as we process the information and the symbolism they embody. And this is a nice segue into Michael Dunning's um, initiation with the ancient yew tree, which was so um, unique and spontaneous. And so what did we learn from Michael's experience? Um, How can what he experienced help us to understand initiation? I think Michael is the living embodiment of an initiation that became the medicine 
that not only healed him, but becomes the medicine he now gives in his healing work with others. And so there were several important things that we need to take from Michael's story. And I believe the first one is to understand that sickness comes over us when we turn away from initiation. And that this is a classic um, part of the paradigm of shamanic initiation. But I believe, um, as Michael and I talked, that it is important to recognize that sickness comes over us when we turn away from any initiation. Even if we don't know we are turning away. Even if we live in a culture like America that tells you you are perfectly all right to turn away from your initiatory experiences. That it's perfectly normal. You can't be expected to do that. You should um, just uh, take more drugs and watch more TV. Shop some more. You know, sit down and play the game. And in a culture that normalizes not struggling, not grappling with these issues of initiation, it doesn't change the fact that our culture is a construct. It's not the real energy. It's not the real story. And it is the real energies that are running things. Whether it looks that way or not, it doesn't matter. And the real energies are saying, your soul and your life are saying, you must become initiated to step into the reason that you are here and bring your gifts to the world. And so your life and your soul are constantly trying to initiate you. And if you turn away, no matter how culturally supported you are in doing that, you will become sick. And I believe much of the low-grade mental unwellness, the low-grade fatigue, the exhaustion, the addiction, the simple everyday acceptable addictions to caffeine, sugar, simple carbohydrates, alcohol, that all of these are our cultural sickness because we have turned away from those events in our life that would initiate us. And Michael's experience of that was large and profound. But this was my point, or at least Spirit's point in saying, Christina, do this is that in the lives of these shamans and their initiations, we could see the metaphors for what we need to create for ourselves as people here in a culture that needs to be healed. Another thing we can draw from Michael's initiation is he... Okay, we have to remember that in Michael's story, he had frankly no idea what was going on. He was being impacted by, in his life by huge spirits that were overwhelming, that could have crushed him like a bug. And that uh, his encounters with these spirits were leaving him um, sick, physically ill and unable to function in his life to an ever-increasing degrees. So one thing that we need to see the subtlety in Michael's story that is so beautiful, well, in my opinion, is so beautiful, is that it was his felt sense of what was going on that he allowed to guide him. In a sense, his mind was so blown by what was happening that he had no capacity really in his brain to process what was going on. That he had to allow his heart 
and his body, his, his felt sense of things, to guide him. And in that, his steps walked surely on the path of his initiation, even though he didn't know it at the time. And his initiation was ultimately extremely successful. And he, he was able to navigate, with the help of others, but was able to navigate through his initiatory ordeals. That the wisdom of the body and of the heart, what things feel like, is the only way we can sense the true path of initiatory energy running through our life. It is not a mental or a psychological experience. It is not simply individuating from our parents. It is that whole mental personality, psychological construct that is being dismembered through initiation. So that is certainly not the voice in your head that you want to follow. As my teacher would say, sink the mind. Drop the mind into the body and allow the felt sense, the deep wisdom of the body-heart together to guide you. And to ignore the voice in your head that is screaming at you that what you are doing makes no sense. Because that is the point of initiation. And there is a piece in Michael's story that I think we need to remember, which is the first phase of his initiation was having everything turned inside out. And this is what I mean about being willing to let that voice in your mind scream at you, it makes no sense, and let it all be turned inside out. In my initiatory experience, I had a similar experience in the sense that everything was backwards. The crazy people were sane, the sane people were crazy, the inanimate objects animated, the animate objects were inanimate. Everything flipped around. And this is an aspect of it. And the only way to find your way through that path when everything begins to change is to follow your heart. There is a powerful piece of Michael's story that is his humility and an ability to sense that the beings in the center of things were not what they appeared to be on the surface, that what was really moving things were below the surface of things, and that he was able to sense the being in the midst, the beingness in the midst of things he still can't name. And to know himself relative to that energy. So we have to remember that, that this humility is in part what allows the ego to die. The ego must die in the initiation. But the importance of that death is so that the rest of the being, the rest of the soul, the rest of who you are can truly live. Michael also spoke very clearly That pain is part of the process. That being with an actual fear of death, not just a moment, not just a moment of terror, but to be with your actual fear of death, to be with death is part of the process. And that finding this new path for life emerges out of the death of the old life. And that pain, this this pain, and the fear of facing death is a literal, actual, palpable part of the process. And finally, Michael spoke, just as Desiree did, very clearly about the importance of allowing himself to be changed. First, in being turned inside out by his experience in ways that were often painful and always exhausting. 
And then in accepting the visions that he was given and allowing those visions and the content of them to change him. And finally, in becoming the person who could work with those transformations to act and function as a different person in a world in the world. So again, it's it's just like Desiree's three levels of transformation that Michael spoke of the same thing of letting things be turned inside out and allowing what comes from that to then transform you again. And then allowing yourself to be transformed a third time, a third layer of transformation into the person who can act on the changes that have occurred. So then we move on to Gretchen. And Gretchen knew from her own journey that her path would ultimately lead her to Africa. And then one thing led to another, and finally, because her life was conspiring with her soul to get her initiated, she did finally find the mentor, the African mentor, and the path that her ancestors and her soul were calling out for. So what can we learn from Gretchen's experience? What metaphors do this traditional process offer us as we look to initiation as an archetypal experience that everyone needs to experience at least once in that movement from childhood to adulthood. And there are, there are three very important things we need to keep track of from Gretchen's experience. And one is when she talked of what made, I mean, we have to remember, Gretchen is outside of her country in an entirely different culture. People are speaking a language she doesn't understand. Everything about her experience is already exotic. It's already strange. And frankly, because of that, it's already dramatic. So just to travel where Gretchen was would have been transformative for anyone paying attention. And so one of the beauties of talking with Gretchen is that you could really see or hear in Gretchen's stories that distinction and the discernment between the simply the strange and exotic and different Versus those experiences that were healing her and cleansing her and transforming her. And then those culminating initiatory experiences that forged something anew within her. Created something that didn't exist before or allowed her to come in the wholeness of who she is to something new that wasn't there before. So these three things from Gretchen's experience that are critically important as we look at initiation is that as a result of the initiation, Gretchen has a permanent and unshakable reconnection with the source of all things as love. The understanding that the core of everything is this powerful Loving energy, for lack of a better English word to use. This is not romantic love. It is not human love. It is eons bigger than that, astoundingly bigger than that. But that it is the ultimate true nature and the source of all things. And to reforge that permanent connection with where we have come from. This is, this is essential and a classic element in initiation from childhood to adulthood in 
all pre-contact shamanic cultures. There are many ways this occurred, but in a sense, it was this occurrence that is a critical piece of the initiation actually functioning as an initiation. The second thing that was important about uh, that we can take from Gretchen's experience was, as I've already said, her capacity to discern the distinction between what is wow, what is exotic, what is strange, what is significant, back to what Desiree said, what are the significant experiences that actually transform us. And her ability to really know herself as fundamentally changed wholly changed by certain pieces of her experience, the initiatory moments. And to see that as distinctly sort of quantitatively different than simply having a new awareness or a new awakening, which is the kind of transformation many people speak of from workshops or healing experiences, but they are not in and of themselves this whole being transformation. And the final piece that was really critical about Gretchen's experience that is classic in, the, in initiations being meaningful and functional is that a trust with spirit is forged. And so this is a shift of the trust base either from what, from what is apparent here in the physical world to what is invisible in the spirit world, it is a shift from the people like your parents or your family to those energies that are in the spirit world. Um, this, this seems irrelevant to Americans in particular because we are very disconnected from our ancestors. We are often estranged from our family for the last couple generations and we don't, uh, we don't have a different experience to compare it to. But all I can say from my own humble experience is that while I came from a deeply loving family in a small town and had every reason to believe that I belonged wherever it was that I was, I didn't feel that way. And it was not until I forged an authentic and traditional relationship with my four grandparents, with my ancestors closest to me, and asked them to connect me then to the whole lineage, did I feel that I belonged? And so belonging is really transient when it is connected to something that is mortal, like a group of people, like a religion, like a town, like a place, like a nation. That true and lasting, unshakable belonging comes from you forging a spiritual relationship with your own ancestors. And so what Gretchen offered us then was this, this marker that it, in her initiations what came in the two significant ones, and one of them what came to her was that connection to the source as love and to never be shaken from her connection there. The other was her being reconnected with a deep and trusting relationship with spirit. So, in other words, when she reaches out for help now, the first place her energy goes is to spirit. It's not to people. It's not to the physical world. Um, it's not even to our own very clever and brilliant minds. But to forge that trust that the initial help begins in the spirit world. So these are all 
pieces, these three things are critically important in creating an initiatory experience that will actually function as an initiation. And then our final guest in this series was Jean-Luc Edwards. And he spoke um, often throughout his interview, and I'm not sure how many people noticed because he didn't make a big deal out of it. But he spoke throughout the interview about sacrifice. And that sacrifice is necessary for initiation to run its course. There must be a release, a death, a letting go, a sacrifice of some kind. That allows the energy to move forward and to run its course. There is always a moment, he said, in which you have to leave something behind. And he spoke about some of the initiatory moments in his life as being simply the moment of recognition that whatever it was had been left behind. That is how important that is. So Jean-Luc also looked at this um, question of initiation as having sort of three elements and one echoes what Gretchen said that it is about forging an intimate and deep lasting trusting relationship with spirit and he uh, said that that begins with paying attention that we must notice those experiences Desiree said in the very beginning and he spoke about how that that moment of paying attention needs to be marked, that um, there needs to be a marking of the change through a ritual or ceremony of initiation. And this is, this is particularly strong in Jean-Luc's interview because, remember, Jean-Luc is the man who has been initiated into a once-dead and now being re-embodied shamanic tradition. And so bringing the traditions themselves, the rituals and ceremonies and practices and prayers and songs and everything back to life is critically important. And so part of what they are doing is rediscovering how important the actual circle, in other words, the people that stand and witness and mark the change, how important they are in the initiatory process. He spoke that it was important to live the change that has happened through the initiation in the quality of your relationship with spirit. And finally, in celebrating the transformation. So it's not just the living of it, but the actual public celebration of it, honoring and acknowledging of it, not just quietly and humbly living it. And these were all important in forging an intimate relationship with spirit through initiation. He also brought us back round to what Desiree had said in the beginning, which is that the quality of the questions in your head matter. He spoke of a story about really a, a moment of divine connection. An initiatory, that was an initiatory moment for him that had begun because in his head was this odd question as he was sitting in this um, service. I'm not sure what I'm doing here. Not whining, why me? Or not, oh, my life has no meaning. Or I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm so lost. Not any of those contemporary thoughts. But a far more interesting 
moment of internal awareness. I'm not sure what I'm doing here. And this is the thing that I see all the time in people is they simply have the wrong question because they're attached to it in their head and they're unwilling to allow to push those questions aside and allow that truly interesting and odd question to arise from the heart or from the body. And what I mean by that is I had a student, deeply gifted student, but she was always making assumptions and always ahead of herself. And so she would be asking for the initiatory experience that would make her a shaman instead of the initiatory experience that would make her the woman she was here to become. There was always the grasping, the assumption, the idea that she knew. And what we see in these questions from Desiree, why? Why am I having this experience? And Jean-Luc, I'm not sure what I'm doing here. These questions that speak from a place of not knowing, of not assuming we understand anything. And Jean-Luc spoke beautifully in particular about how important it was simply to realize you're empty, that you don't know a damn thing that matters. There is nothing of use in your mind. You don't know, your assumptions are all wrong, and all you can do is open your heart and allow the experiences to begin to happen and let them transform you without having the idea that I must have the transformational experiences that will make me a whatever. Instead, have the transformative experiences and discover what they have made you. And in that discovery, as with Michael, in that discovery of what they've made you, transforming again to discover how to be the person you've come here to be. So the final thing that Jean-Luc shared with us is the remembering that this all already exists. In other words, we're just uncovering what the soul already knows. I actually did a different show with um, Tom Pinkston, who was talking about the Wuchol um, practices and questions and ideas and searching and life experience around finding the heart path, that the heart remembers why you are here. And this is, I think, an important piece of what John Luke is was speaking to, is that it's all already here. So how can we let go of the experiences that seem so significant to our ego and our assumptions and open up to those experiences that are trying to transform us into the person that we don't know yet? And so these are some of the most important things I feel that we have learned from these people's um, initiation experiences that can serve as metaphors or um, guidelines for what needs to be present if we are to recreate initiation rituals, initiation processes for our children to become adults or, or and to create processes that allow adults to reclaim that initiation and become true spiritual adults. And this is actually what is at the core of the cycle of transformation teachings that I offer. It is an opportunity for adults 
who want to do, want to live their soul's purpose, want to understand why they are here and how to do it, to over the four years that we are together to gain the skills to become the type of person who can allow life to initiate you, to ask the right questions or the type of questions that allow that to happen and to have the healings and the initiatory experiences step-by-step over four years that allow the already chronologically adult person to become a spiritual adult, to allow life to transform them, to find the answer in that as to, you know, what is life doing? What does this mean to me? What does this mean I become? And then to transform again into how do I live that person in the world? So, Here we are poised as contemporary people and we have a question. How are we going to initiate the young and the old so that we can begin to be a culture once again, humanity can begin to be a culture once again of spiritual adults. And one of the things I I must admit is amazing for me. It never ceases to amaze me as I work with people is how hard people will fight for the right to stay exactly the same while they are in a process through that is overtly designed to change them. So people choose a process to create change and then fight tooth and nail for their right to stay the same. And this is the piece we have got to get over, people. It is amazing to me how even my own students fight constantly against the very things that are coming to them with the generosity of the Spirit, coming to them as the gifts from our universe that is so benevolent, so giving, such a blessing, to offer them the very change they are asking for, and they say, no, I know better. And if there is one thing I have learned from working with spirit is I don't know better. When it's just me as a human, I experience a kind of limitation that I do not know when I'm working, co-creating essentially with spirit. And so if we look at this issue of the lack of initiation results in a kind of spiritual immaturity that leads to a whole range of our cultural sicknesses, what do we do? So the first thing we need to begin to shift culturally or with a, of course, we can't shift the whole culture at once, but with people that are wanting to play, you know, who wants to come and play this game with us? The first thing that we need to do is to shift our capacity for intention and attention so that how we engage with our life changes so that we are approaching it back to the idea of the questions and the quality of the questions from a place of power saying, why, why is this happening to me versus the more childish way people approach things, which is why me, why is this happening to me? Why is my plan for the day being interrupted? You know, it may be God interrupting your day and we would be so cranky that we missed our latte that we'd blow God off. I mean, this is the people that we have become. 
So the first thing we need to change is our capacity for intention and attention and to hold a stance in life that is a stance of the empowered person. Whether we are or not, we need to act as if. We need to begin to engage with life from our body and our heart and to teach our children to do so. If we can change the dreams of our children, we will change this whole problem in one generation. And so we need not only to begin to model engaging with life from our body and our heart but, and teaching that to our children, but then allowing the wisdom of the body and the heart to guide us. There is no other aspect of who we are that can lead us in the initiatory process because it is the very ego that wants to lead that is dying. And so we must be willing, as Michael did, in the spite of every aspect of his mind screaming at him, what are you doing, this makes no sense, to do it anyway. I mean, the man sat under a tree for 10 years, for God's sakes. But it transformed him, made him this incredible person that he is today. We need to be willing to do things that don't make sense and to trust the yes in our heart and the yes in our body, even when our mind is screaming, what the hell are you doing? We need to understand that through initiation, people must cultivate a reconnection with the source energy as a loving energy. That we must come to terms as humanity with the damage done by seeing the source, the creator, as a judgmental, domineering, punishing God. We must, as a family of humanity, have initiatory experiences that tap us into the source. You can call that source any name you want to. I do not care what language you speak in and what history and baggage that language carries. It does not matter. But we must create initiatory experiences that allow the individual to have a full being, full body connection with the source energy as the loving energy that it is. From that will emerge right relationship with spirit. Right relationship with the spirit help in a person's life. And whether you see that as angels and saints, deities from the Buddhist traditions, helping spirit animals, or your grandmother, it doesn't matter. What matters is the quality of relationship that we have with spirit, that it is trusting, and that we go to spirit first to solve our problems not to ordinary reality or our mom and dad or that which seems apparent. But we reach first to spirit to ask and then reach out into the physical world. And that ultimately, through the knowing of these energies, the deep trust of spirit and the knowing that at the core of all things, at the source of all things, is this profound, indescribable, loving spirit that we can begin to discern in our own lives with some real honesty the distinction between growth, change, healing, growing awareness, 
an actual initiation. And that we will begin to understand through that discernment, not that we are judging things as better or worse, stronger or weaker, but that in doing that, we can begin to work together to create experiences that will initiate. If we start dumbing everything down and calling every challenge in life an initiation, there will no longer be initiation. No one will remember anymore that there's something even to reach for. That we need to begin to discern, as Gretchen did so beautifully, what is exotic and transformative and fun and fabulous and wonderful? What is growth? What is challenging? What is healing? What is cleansing? What is changing me? But ultimately, what are those experiences that permanently change me whole hog? from the man or woman that I was to the person that I will be in a way that I cannot go back. And that is so very important. I cannot go back to what I was. The only option available to me now is to go forward and learn to live and act as the person who has been transformed. And finally, We must be willing to sacrifice, and in particular, sacrifice who you have been for who you will become. And in this way, we can become a circle of spiritual adults. And we will be able not only to step up as we need to ourselves, those who are already aged into adulthood, but to create the space and the transformations and the awareness necessary necessary to help to transform our children. For as the shamans say, if we can change the dreams of our children, reality will change because reality comes from the dreams. So if we change the dreams of the children, we can change it all in one single generation. So thank you all for listening to me here today in my thoughts about initiation. I want to give thanks to the ancestors for gathering around and helping us to understand what we have forgotten. I thank the earth below and the sky above and the big love that they create in their dance together that births all of us here into existence. May we live in a way as an expression of that big love. And I give thanks to the heart that unites us all. I thank you all for listening. I thank those of you who are donating. And please know that you can find almost any information you need about the show on whyshamanismnow.com. If you have any questions or you want our weekly e-card reminding you about the show, you're welcome to email christina at lastmasscenter.org. And please feel free to check out the website, lastmasscenter.org, and to connect with us on Facebook. Next week, the show will be um, a summer series about shamanism and life, death, love, and sex. So on August 10th, we will speak of the critically important lessons that I have learned from life, learned about life from death and from the dead. And this show is an honor of the very powerful work my students will be doing with me that week in healing their own ancestral lines. So thank you all. Have a great week.